The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Coco Zing, and more. An extra large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. All right, welcome on to a North American exclusive, at least in terms of where you both are, edition of Hollinger and Duggan. It's nice not to have to do a calculation of uh, exactly what time we're going to have to record. So uh, we're both in the same time zone. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Damian Lillard is not any longer in the same time zone. I've I haven't heard really any of your takes on this. I realize we're slightly late, but it's kind of good to let the dust settle, particularly because there was a, a follow-up trade which took place as well. So I just want to start of just your biggest takeaways from the trade sagas of the last week. Are you hurt that Lillard time is no longer Nate time? <laughs> You're two hours off now? Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Uh, I don't mind Central Time too much. Eastern Time, Eastern Time is the time that really, that really, I, I can't stand it. I never got used to Central Time. Like when I was in Memphis, I was certain that something, something would happen that like would cause some catastrophic screw up that would end in me getting fired because I was on Central Time and thought it was on Eastern Time. And the, like for some reason, I could go East Coast to West Coast and do plus three, minus three, and it. Like, no big deal at all. That that one hour though, and then they, the way they do the TV shows and everything around that, like that just screwed with my head. I never got used to it. Yeah, I guess also you not sending in the the team option paperwork on time, Anthony Carter style. <laughs> that, that was yeah, that was like the exact thing that I was like so so fearful of. I guess with with the time zone, but anyway. I managed for that not somehow to somehow for me it's like things like that that i just desperately fear happening you would think that i would just like put all these systems in place so it'll never happen it's like i f- i feel as though i being all scared of it somehow just makes it more of a self-fulfilling prophecy that it's like likelier to happen <laughs> for me. I, I really uh yeah like, like uh you know my system for editing the podcast for example that's like a pro- like I, i'm terrified that something's gonna be in there that shouldn't be in there and yet somehow it happens <laughs> right uh okay so let's talk to the actual yeah. basketball aspect of this here big what surprise. was your big takeaway from last week yeah i mean we didn't kudos to the bucks for keeping their uh interest a secret and to the blazers too really eh, for eh, well hold on hold on let's okay. I, I mean go go ahead and explain but i i want to put a pin in that for a second okay it it never got out really that that drew holiday's name was out there which is the thing the bucks wanted and to the point to the extent that this was not done as a three-way trade because of that and portland ended up with a smaller trade exception out of their series of trades because of that so I do think there was a, a level of secrecy there. 
obviously the fact that he's it's the it's as big a story where he's not going as where he's going, right? Because it seemed like Miami was the team. It seemed like Miami's offer would be at least equal to what other teams would put in, right? But Portland, I think, valued the possibilities of an unprotected 29 bucks pick more than any Miami pick. I also think they weren't particularly jazzed about working with the Heat in general, clearly. It's not like they kept going back to them saying, can you do better? Um, And I, I think they netted out probably a little better than they would have if they had just done what was on the table with Miami. A little better? I thought they did, like, significantly better, personally. I mean, the the eight thing would have been there for them either way, right? Sure, sure. So, in terms of, like, in comparison to getting either three firsts from Miami and Hero or three firsts and a first from and first from somebody else, get, getting that Bucks pick, I think, was really important. The two Boston picks were not hugely valuable, but now they still have more trade value with Brogdon and Williams, right? They're not getting dead money. Rob Williams is actually good, uh, and he still has three more years left to run on his deal. It's interesting because it seems like they're leaning toward keeping him, which I thought was strange because they already acquired DeAndre Ayton. But he's a guy who could definitely return a first at some point, especially if they get him a little healthier. And then Brogdon, I don't know if he gets you a first at this point, but he's going to get you something, right? I guess where you and I may disagree then, because Danny and I went through the whole thing, like, was there something else out there that would have been better? To me, regardless of whether, uh, you know, they had some personal antipathy towards the Miami Heat, I don't think the Heat could have beaten this package. I mean, maybe if the Heat would have thrown in literally everything they possibly could, I might have preferred that. But I, I think... What I liked about this is getting the three years of control of Milwaukee's draft. Like those two swaps to me are not, you know, I know there's been some research out there like, okay, the average swap ends up being like five worth five slots and you now half of them don't even come out to be anything at all. And like, I get that. But as we've noted so many times, it's all about the upside. A swap has close to, unless you are also terrible that year, which I hope they won't be <laughs> six years from now. Right. Uh, as close to the same upside as j- just an outright pick. And so to have three years of the Milwaukee Bucks when Giannis Antetokounmpo will be in his mid-30s, they don't have anyone else of any significance on the roster under 30 at this point, and they're not going to have hardly any draft picks to supplement that. It's very difficult to construct a scenario. I mean, Maybe it's like all these guys leave in free agency in 2027 and someone wants to go join Giannis, who's also a star. But it's hard for me to construct a scenario in which the Bucks are good then. Now, maybe they wouldn't be terrible. Maybe Giannis would still be there. I don't think so. I think it seems pretty obvious that as soon as they're clearly not a compi- uh, competing for a championship anymore, he's out. So I would value the Milwaukee's up. They're not as good of an organization in terms of like finding guys in the rough as Miami. Uh, they're not a free agent destination the way Miami is. So, yeah, I really like that. And I also like the ability with Holiday to diversify the picks that you're getting in 29. I don't know that Boston, to me, is like guaranteed to be good in 29. They're going to have a big retrenchment in the middle of this decade. So I thought that this package was clearly better than anything that Miami realistically was going to offer. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, now, Giannis, the extends, will be signed through 2030. Uh, the sure. extends after the season. However, you would think he would maybe push for the exits once this team's destiny toward the latter half of this decade became apparent. 
Now, maybe that helps the Bucks get other players and picks or whatever, and so they're not that well, bad. Well, also, but that's the, is he, that's the chance is, you take with any of these, right? Is he even going to be a, that good by then? Like, is he a yeah. top 10 player in the league at age 33? I, that's I think a, that's an open very, question to me. Yeah, very questionable. I agree. I agree. I do think a, a Boston future first is probably almost the least valuable of any team's future first to, to own. Uh, just because I, Tatum, I don't know about that. Tatum and Brown are still in their twenties; they're not going anywhere. Uh, no, no, Brown is Brown will not be on the team by twenty nine. I feel pretty confident of that, just because of the financial apocalypse. I mean, the new CBA; like they have to get rid of Brown basically by like twenty six. Perhaps, yeah, because you're saying once Tatum's next extension kicks in, they just get so crazy expensive. Well, and like, I mean, they're not going to be in the second apron getting their draft picks frozen. I mean, the repeater tax is also just absolutely murderous. And they're going to be in that at that point, too. Like, I think they're going to need to trade everybody, take a little step back and hope that they can. Now, maybe you could say that their rebuilding project around Tatum could have reached fruition by them, but that could fail. And they could end up, uh, you know, just having to move Tatum as well and then kind of bobbing out now. I mean, they because it's only one year they can control it a little more that's why i like the milwaukee part yeah. so much it's like man like three years that's it's tough to like if you're not like an actual real contender like it's tough to say one of these three years we're for sure not gonna be in a point where this could bump up in the lottery yeah yeah definitely true now miami i mean you could have you could have had the opportunity to do some stuff with them too where you control miami from 28 to 30 they're also looking at not great scenarios in the latter half of the decade. However, I think the thing that you work against a little with Miami is just their history, right? That they've, that they found a way when it's looked very grim before. Yeah. I mean, the only times that they've been really bad is when they wanted to be. Right. I mean, I think they're, and for for one year. Yeah. Right. Um, No, I mean, you know, Pat Riley will probably be retired by then. I understand that aspect. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think to me, like, I'm not saying by any means I wouldn't have done this as Milwaukee. I thought it was a, a good trade for them. I mean, they kind of had to do it. I don't know who else they were going to get that was going to mollify Giannis. I think at the time they made the trade, I don't know if I would have made them the championship favorite. I would have had to think really closely about that. And I didn't have a chance to because then Boston loaded up as well. So this is what I wanted to put a pin in from earlier. You mentioned how impressive it was that Milwaukee maintained some secrecy. And I agree, that's pretty good. However, wouldn't it have been possible for them? You you know the inside of putting these deals together. Wouldn't it have been possible for them to say, hey, Portland, here's the deal. We're, we're agreed that we're going to do this for Dame. Drew's going to be in it. But we need to have at least some control over his destination so he doesn't go to Miami or Boston to do this deal. I mean, maybe... Like, I think it, it seemed to me like they prized, and now, of course, it would have gotten out that Drew was in the discussions, even though people, you know, but you might have had been able to get Portland to say, all right, the deal's done. You know, we're just going to do this last part of it. Uh, is that realistic? Or, like, or, you know, is it, can you say that, hey, they prioritized secrecy with respect to Holiday over controlling his destination? I think it is. That's a, that's a good point because if they had done it as a three way deal, they would have known what Holiday's ultimate destination was. And so they maybe could have interceded and said, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. Uh, we're not doing this deal if, if Holiday's ending up in Boston or Miami or Philadelphia. So see what you can get from the Clippers and then get back to us. Uh, yeah. Now, it could have blown up the deal for them at that point, too. I mean, that's, that's the risk. 
Yeah. Well, I, I mean, hopefully they could have gone to Portland and said like, hey, we're done. This is our terms of the deal. And then maybe Portland is like, no, like we're you're, we're not going to control that. We we yeah. uh, we think Boston will have a really good package. Boston probably did provide the best package that we could talk to about other teams that maybe should have got more in on Drew. That's uh, yeah. be interesting. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's a fascinating thing. I mean, that, you can never really know that for sure. But to me, I think, you know, Drew Holiday is a grown man. Like, it, I know that they want to, if it fell through, that they would have wanted to maintain as much a, as they could. And certainly, even if it got out that the Bucks were, like, remotely interested in Lillard, Drew would know that he had to be the matching salary. There just wasn't yeah. anyone else. They had re-signed all these guys. It was either Giannis or Drew had to be the matching salary mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for Dame. So, so he would have known even if it even got out that they were remotely involved. But I think if I was that close to the finish line, I think I might have taken the risk because it just... I mean, it's is this a disaster for Milwaukee that Drew Holiday is now in Boston? I don't know, maybe not a full disaster, but it's definitely it's not good. It hurt. It 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 hurts. Um, now Boston did make themselves less deep in the front court, like they did. They, Boston did weaken themselves, perhaps in some other ways. But I think the bigger win for Milwaukee when you're talking about the the ancillary effects on other teams is that Lillard is not playing for the Miami Heat. Right, so there are there are two contenders and not three because of that. Sure, no, that that is good too. Uh, and I don't know if Boston ever was really in on Lillard. It doesn't seem that they were, but yeah, I, I think that that helps. I mean, and the bigger one is it just it seems to have mollified Giannis. You know, I'm not sure what to make of his comments. We'll talk about that later. Of like, oh yeah, I'll sign the extension. Like, okay, does he really mean that he's going to do that? And it's just a, a financial thing. Like, are we talking Jokic style, or is there still some caveats involved? I would tend to believe the latter. So. Yeah, I, that that was just what was interesting to me. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all of my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John and Benedict used PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. 
We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media, Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash per and what do you think of this bucks team now i think in terms of regular season wins i don't know if they help themselves because they're not very deep team that x'd out a starter uh they got they got campaign on a minimum which is with that roster spot which is a nice grab but they also could have done that anyway um yeah really a shame that our our campaign uh, mock waiver uh, claim slash uh, buyout signing pod w- was superseded. I, I know you really were you you really were uh, excited about where he was going to land. I really wanted the Grizzlies to use their trade exception on him. I thought it, I thought I it was a perfect I thought it was a perfect move for them. Uh, unfortunately, no, he's in Milwaukee on a minimum. All right, uh, going from Holiday to Lillard, just on paper, like Drew Holiday is really good, and I think people don't maybe totally appreciate that because a lot of his value is at the defensive end and particularly with the style Milwaukee plays where they ask a lot of their guards in the defensive end so that Lopez can play this drop coverage to constantly fight through screens and rear contest and Holiday's really good at it. Uh, Pat Connaughton who's going to move up to a starting role is pretty good at this too but uh, Damian Lillard is not good at it (laughs) so that's going to be an adjustment. I think the thing though when you get to a playoff series Milwaukee offensively always seemed pretty easy to figure out. Like if you had somebody who could wall off Giannis, the rest of the Bucks' offense just wasn't a problem. And we've talked about this multiple times. Can anyone here just run an above average pick and roll? And now you get maybe the best pick and roll guy in the league to be at the point. So I think it just changes so many things for what Milwaukee can potentially do, especially in a playoff series they're still very thin in the backcourt. They're probably going to have to lean into some really big lineups and see if they work and can cover the court. When you talk about going Lopez, Anacumbo, Portis, or Lopez, Lopez, Anacumbo, Crowder, or different combinations of that. So there's still some kinks to work out here, but I think their championship odds are higher now than they were before the trade. And I think that Ultimately, that's the only metric you're looking at if you're the Bucks in this moment. 
No, I, I agree. And Dame, Dame and Drew are pretty much the same age. I would say Dame might age a little bit better than Drew over the next couple of seasons uh, just due to his shooting ability. I, yeah. I hope those guys take great care of themselves and, and don't have any long-term injury concerns. And yeah, I, I mean, this is just going to be an unbelievable offense. But yeah, I, I mean, you, they basically have, you know, as of right now, two defensive players that I trust in Giannis and Brooke Lopez. And I mean, it's just, it's a very, like they made their team better for sure. And Damian Lillard, I mean, you, they arguably have two players who are better than anyone on Boston, even with the way that Boston is loaded up. You know, your mileage may vary on Dame versus Tatum. Uh, you know, it depends what kind of team you, you need. Uh, so Lillard's definitely the better offensive player for sure. And so I, I think they made themselves better. You know, they did prevent him from going to Miami. I think that's an, an under-discussed aspect. I'm glad you brought that up. But, you know, vis-a-vis Boston, are they in better position against Boston now than they were before this series of moves? I think so. I think two years ago they couldn't score on Boston. And so that I think that was just going to play out again. I, I know Marcus Smart isn't there in, in Boston anymore, but I mean, they still had enough. I think to to match up against Milwaukee, and I mean, I in a way, I mean, they forced Boston to get a little uncomfortable too. Now Boston is trying to match up against Giannis, and they don't have a lot of a lot of bigs anymore. When you look at Horford's thirty-seven, Rob Williams isn't there anymore. You gonna put Porzingis on Giannis? You gonna put Jalen no, Brown? No, I think on they'll him? put Horford on him. I, I think they'll put Horford on him. Or, or honestly, I think I think we've kind of seen. That in some ways, and this is with guarding Jokic too, we've seen it with Embiid. It seems like almost the new playbook is it kind of doesn't really matter as much who the initial defender is as long as you still have that help guy there at the rim. Like I think Drew, Jalen Brown, nah, maybe not Tatum. He doesn't quite have that type of body. Like Derek White, like you can kind of like get underneath Giannis a little bit and then as he, you know, maybe try to take some charges. And then as like they might very well, well might even put Drew on Giannis. Because they have other kind yeah. of on-ball guys. Yeah, put Drew on him, and put then, White on Lillard, and then have Porzingis off the ball. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, now that brings its own problems because Porzingis has to guard Brook Lopez, and Brook Lopez can w- would just basically be able to get open any time. But, you know, may, I think that's probably a poison you have to pick, and you just, you're hoping that you can outscore Milwaukee on the other end if you're Boston. And, and they still would have Al. I mean, I think they're just, to me, I'm not starting Al, even if he wants to start. I'm putting him on ice all year. He's going to play 15 minutes a game as the backup center. Luke Cornett, come on down. And yeah. Al, you're, you're basically, we are saving you for 30 minutes a game against Joel Embiid in the second round, Giannis in the conference finals, and Jokic in the final. Yeah, I think that's a thing with Boston, actually. It's funny you bring that up because I thought they went way too hard in the first half of last season, and I thought that really hurt them once they got to the spring. Yeah, and they had so, some injury issues as well. And, you know, I think losing Rob, I didn't think Rob was particularly effective against Milwaukee. You know, maybe he could be that kind of backline guy. They maybe they would have gone back to that a, a little bit because I think he was a little more effective against Philly and and Bead and Giannis provide some of the same challenges potentially. But I, I think the other thing too is Giannis. He's kind of vulnerable to guys with length digging down when he goes into a spin move and stuff. So I think having you know, great help defenders who can crash in and then close out as well, which they do. I mean, they're so yeah. nasty defensively, one through four at this point. And then you have the rim protector in Porzingis, or you could go Horford. Like, I think they have enough there. And they, maybe they get one more guy who could be a body on Giannis uh, by a trade, although their matching salary situation is uh, very limited there. 
I, st- I still think Boston has one more move like that in them to, yeah. to get one more guy. When they, they'll get to the trade deadline and they'll take four of these minimum guys and trade for like a $10 million contract. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's tough with the roster spots then. I mean, I, I might try to consider doing that beforehand, but they have a billion seconds now, too. That's the other thing like that from the smart trade is they got another couple of seconds. For Thank you. Their, their, their willingness to trade Marcus Smart was the domino that set their whole offseason in motion and yeah. let them come away with Holiday and Porzingis. I thought that was very uh, ballsy of them and very effective that they basically were, okay, Marcus Smart for Tyus Jones and two firsts and and we'll see what we get. And then they got Porzingis out of it. And then they used the other first in in this trade. I know they still could have used their own first potentially, but I think it was was a lot easier for them to get to this point having an extra first in 23 and an extra first in 24 that they could put into trades and give team stuff right away. Anything else on, on the Dame aspect of this, or should we talk about Holiday? Uh, is there anything to talk about with... Uh, yeah, let's talk about Holiday, and then we can get to Aiden and Nurkic. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, you sound excited about that topic. <laughs> uh, Keon yeah, but, well, this, this this deck chair is uh, it costs <laughs> twice as much as, as this other deck chair. <laughs> Burr. Um, yeah, Drew Holiday in Boston. Man, that, that as you say, one through four, just going to be so nasty defensively. I'm really interested to see how Porzingis fits with this. I do think getting Porzingis, getting Holiday a little bit, I mean, he was just the best player available, obviously. But I think Boston, one thing they've seen is that they didn't have the ability to post up against mismatches on switches. Uh, especially as Al Horford has started to show his age a little bit, and I think that th- like those moments of staleness they had off they have offensively, where it's just Tatum dribble, dribble, dribble at the top, or you know J- Jalen Brown right hand drive into regardless of what's in front of him, and I-, I think they're able to play more varied offense now, where Porzingis can go ahead and and post up a small and flick it off the backboard. Holiday can get into some beast ball when he gets the right matchup. Like they, they have some different ways to attack now, which I think makes them a little more interesting. Yeah, the only weaknesses that I would point to for them are, you know, I think they're still low on passing, but like you said, they're going to have one of those guys is going to have a big matchup advantage, right? Drew Holiday is a number three or number four versus a number two, the way he was the last two playoffs in Milwaukee. That's very compelling. Uh, yeah. And especially with Porzingis or Horford spacing out, if that if that's what you want to do. So, and then, you know, you mentioned the switching and, you know, if, if teams do switch, then the, the Porzingis. Porzingis could post up. I mean, and Porzingis is one of probably the three best shooting centers in the league. He's a high volume guy. Porzingis could even space out a few feet behind the line, like above the arc. Like that would cause a ton of problems too. So yeah, I'm not sure how you guard them unless you're, you know, like the 2017 Warriors or or something like that. Like there really are not many teams that are, and it's so much more valuable to just be able to say, oh, hey, uh, we're coming down. Tyler Hero's guarding Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is just going to go right through Tyler Hero. We don't have to 
to set a screen. We don't have to do anything. We just, he's just going to go right by this guy or go right through this guy. And then he's either going to pass it out for a three or he's going to get a layup. Like that's, it's just going to be so simple for them. I don't even know that it matters that much that their passing is, you know, maybe a little below average for a team like this. Yeah, because the passes are going to be there, right? You know, these, these aren't like Jokic level reads that they need to make. Um, one other thing on Milwaukee, I would say too, and I think this is always something that is kind of forgotten in, in these trades. And I thought it was underappreciated in the smart trade too. This idea of, well, hey, the status quo is working. It's like, ah, I don't know about that. Like Al Horford was essential. Like they needed to get better in the front court. And Marcus Smart, like, you know, he slipped a little bit last year. Like, could he, you know, he plays a really physical style. Like, could he be kind of moving into a new phase of his career? And, and he wouldn't have been, wouldn't have gotten this trade package a, a little bit from now. For Milwaukee, this Chris Middleton, like he had surgery again. He was okay in the playoffs, but he had surgery and now didn't practice. Didn't practice today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The exchange between Griffin and Eric name was, was just uh, amazing as, as, uh, name tries to sort of get out of him, like why he's not practicing, but clearly he's not ready to go yet. I mean, maybe that's still sort of load management, but I, I think ultimately the idea of counting on Chris Middleton as your number one pick and roll ball handler going into these playoffs, I think there's a possibility it could have worked, but I think like moving him down to the number two guy in the perimeter was really, really important if they expected to score well enough playoffs. As- essential, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would I would agree with you on that. Should anyone else have gotten in on this Drew Holiday sweepstakes? I was surprised the Clippers were not more proactive about this did, did they have the scratch you think to beat this boston offer clippers unprotected in 28 and 30 with a swap in 29 plus uh you get an expiring rather than having the extra year at brogdon i don't know if they value that at all but it would be basically you're doing marcus morris amir coffee and you could have done jason preston before they cut him to, to get the salary match, right? And oh no, I'm sorry. Yeah. This is this is for Drew. I need I need one more player in here. Uh, not Terrence Mann, though. Oh no, no, that can't be him. No, yeah, especially if you get Drew Holiday. Like Terrence Mann is, is he's probably better than Drew Holiday, honestly. Like Drew Holiday would just be complimenting Terrence Mann as a defensive guard. So here's my th- there, the th- there was a deal there to get done. I thought if they, the Clippers were there, they could have put Kobe Brown in it. Maybe their their first round pick from this year. Bones Highland might have been an interesting player to put into that, right? So well, like I, don't, they, I don't think Portland is interested in him at all. Oh, because they already have their backcourt guys. I guess you're right. Yeah. Um, th- there were ways the Clippers could have, I think, gotten this to the finish line. So it was really interesting to me that they didn't really seem to be super competitive on this. I don't know. I mean. I wasn't tapping the Blazers' phones, but certainly that the perspective was that the Clippers were one of the teams that were involved, but you never quite got the sense they were they were all in on it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, to me, it's arguable. Even if the Clippers threw in the all-in offer, as you said, I don't know that to me that's better than the Boston offer. You know, we'll see what happens with Rob and with Brogdon, but I think Brogdon could at least be a vessel to take back some bad salary and maybe get a first that way. And Rob, you know, he's, uh, I think he's, if he gets back to playing the way he did two years ago, like he's going to be a guy who could get two first-round picks given, or, you know, maybe then you move Aiton if Rob is just so good and they like the way that, that fit is. So, 
I guess the other question though I'd have is like, okay, Clippers, they really go all in, two picks and a swap. Is that worth it? I guess they had a 27 swap they could have thrown in too. Maybe that's better. Maybe it's not. I'm not sure that I'm there for the Clippers to go in for another three years of my draft, given where I am right now. I think that, so that is the real tell from this, I think. You notice that they have not extended Paul George or Kawhi Leonard yet. I think one of the reasons they didn't push all the way in on this, and they would have had to extend Drew Holiday presumably as well if they were if they were going to go through with this, is I'm not sure they believe yet in the idea of having this expensive a team just to win 45 games or whatever. Like, but Ballmer didn't shell out all this money to be the seventh seed, so I I think there's some there is some existential questioning happening there. And that that is the that is an underlying reason that the Clippers did not get a deal done here, that if they can get James Harden on the cheap, then fine. That's the thing they'll probably do. But I I just I just don't see that same that same zeal of like, yeah, we're going for it, because I I think they really want to see what Paul George and Kawhi are for the first three, four months of the season. And then maybe they'll revisit this at the trade deadline and decide to go all in. But with given how punitive this tax, I mean, this new CBA was basically written with the Clippers in mind. Like ev- everything is like it's, it was like it was like written by Clipper haters, right? With the with the tax penalties and the and the repeater and the stuff about load management. It's like everything you hate about the Clippers was like thrown into this agreement. So uh, I, I think it's a real. Uh, uh, knife edge point for for the Clippers right now. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I think it's just they're not not ready to sacrifice their future when I don't know that like those guys are good enough or even if you get Drew Holiday you feel like you're for sure a championship contender you get four months of that uh, okay maybe you feel a little bit differently at the deadline the team that I thought should have been more in on it and I think did have the scratch to go get him was Golden State and Woj reported like they were never in it and okay obviously you would want to say that because Chris Paul just got here that's a, really a tricky kind of prickly fit in a lot of ways and maybe that's true also just because the possibility of having to extend Drew, although that's eh, not a terrible insurance policy if Clay Thompson leaves uh, next year as well. But I think, you know, if Golden State wanted to throw in Kaminga, they still have draft picks that they could put in. Also, basically the whole complement, other than the last 10 picks uh, of their uh, 2030 draft pick, uh, if it falls in the bottom 10 of the first round from the pool trade, like that's one where that takes Golden State from kind of fringy to like right back in the mix. Again, Paul for Holiday and and, and Kaminga and you know we'll see we'll fight more about what else has to be in there but they had enough to me to beat that boss if they had done Paul K- Kaminga 28 unprotected 30 unprotected one one through 20 yeah I think that's probably too much I think Kaminga just because of the position he plays is probably like I think Kaminga to me is better than any single asset in, that came from Boston would you agree with that or no I, I he's controversial so I, I so it's, automatic it's agreement there. yeah your your mileage may may vary I guess I uh I think so I think Boston's going to be good so I don't value their draft picks as much so I think you're probably right um, I, I think Kaminga has a chance to be a breakout player if he's <laughs> allowed to play. Uh, heretical question. Why is Chris Paul the salary match and not Clay? Uh, just because Clay's better than Chris Paul. Oof. And also because that would be heresy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, but no, Clay is Clay is better than Chris Paul. He's much more important. I, I think like, and you could hopefully just you know maybe if everything goes well, you could get Drew to take a little discount. You get Clay to take a little discount. Maybe not. I think Drew, you know, his market is just so massive. If he played well, like he would have big time offers. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling, the collide of football pads, the squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York. It's new Lifter Plump. An intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Coco Zing, and more. An extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. Oh, quickly here. What do you what do you think uh, the Drew Holiday extension Ooh. that is probably at least outlined already is going to be or should be? I think it's the uh, Kyrie not quite max special, like three years, one hundred twenty million. Yeah, that's. I kept coming back to that kind of 115, 120 guaranteed. I think Boston will have a lot of incentive to push that further out due to their tax issues. But that's that's kind of the number. I think 120 guaranteed, and you know maybe it gets distributed a little bit later on. Uh, and he, by the way, he can only sign a four year extension. Even as a free agent, he can only sign four years because the over 38 rule. Um, on Portland, do. I was very impressed with how Portland did. I, I I thought they did really well here. They they got that that Bucks pick, which is really important. The you know we we talked about the trade exception a little bit. They they ended up with an eight million trade exception instead of what would have been I think a, a twelve or thirteen million trade exception. Like it's yeah, probably not going to matter. But that it much. doesn't matter I think because they're so close to the tax anyway. I don't think they really could. Even well, it doesn't matter this year. Next year, yeah. It doesn't matter this year because of the tax, and it might not matter next year because if they uh, trade Brogdon and do one or two other things that they might do, they're going to be under the cap anyway. So yeah, they're they're it. It very likely became more or less irrelevant. So I thought, uh, let's let's go through this. Yeah, the asset from Milwaukee was really important. The first from Boston, okay. Rob Williams, that's interesting. I still wonder what the long-term plan is here with, with Williams. Like, are the Blazers thinking, get, them getting Williams and Aiton, are they thinking we can be good by 25 or 26 like is that is that part of the thought process here? That that's the most interesting question to me is is how long of a rebuild do they think do they think they are looking at and when do they think they're going to be good? Because that impacts other questions like do they do a Jeremy Grant trade? Uh, which oh, at mid season you would think right that they would try to do something with you know I've thrown Memphis out there as a team who really needs a big wing who's who's playoff viable. Uh, there are definitely other teams like that too. His salary—he's—he's he's paid more than than he should for what he is, but his salary is not destructively bad either. It's more the length on his deal where you're looking at paying him thirty-six million in twenty-seven, twenty-eight. You're like, yeah, are you still going to be good then? Uh, but I, I think that's something they have to look at. 
They did some other stuff around the margins with their roster that I thought was helpful. I like Tumani Camera in the draft. I think he can be a rotation player in a couple of years. I thought that was that was good to get him included from Phoenix. I know he had to be in there for the salary match for the Suns. I think turning Nurkic into Ayton, regardless of Ayton's contract, I thought that was fantastic. We've talked about this before on the show. I think Ayton has a lot of untapped scoring potential uh, as a low post guy that he can be kind of a Walmart LaMarcus Aldridge in terms of his ability to face up for jump shots and score that way and then get into other parts of his game off of that. He obviously has to rediscover his motor and just be more consistent day to day. And it's interesting having Williams there because you go by the advanced stats and they'll tell you Williams has been the better player the last two years. So that that's going to, that could get interesting if Williams is actually healthy. Yeah. But he doesn't complain as much. Doesn't that make uh, it better? (laughs) I, I do think having a real low post score, it's, is a good thing to kind of help these young guards get their sea legs. Well, and more even just a, a pick and roll threat as well. I, I think I, I like that that aspect of it for Portland. Like they're not uh, particularly once they move on. Uh, I think inevitably from Grant and Brogdon that uh, they'll be, and you know maybe even Matisse Thybul could be a, a trade candidate as well. I think to your question about when they think they'll be good, you know they don't know that answer. Right? They're not going to be good this year in all likelihood. So uh, they get another high draft pick. Then we see who that is. You know maybe next summer they start to have an understanding, and you know you see how what kind of paths Jaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson are on. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they may end up having cap space sooner rather than later if they can move Grant and possibly Brogdon for expiring contracts. So I, I think I don't think they think they're going to be that good right away, but they'll at least be exciting, and that's probably good enough for uh, the hometown fans, at, at least in the short term. So I, I would expect them to just, you know, especially on Grant, because it's like he'll be tradable now. He probably won't be tradable next year because he actually helps now, and he might it, it might just be the overpay might be just like so obvious by next year that it's just like no one's going to want him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the other reason you probably want to get off that money sooner rather than later. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, so I, I think Portland did really well. Yeah, sorry. Well, well, just to finish up on Portland, I think they probably, to me, got more for Holiday by having that be a separate transaction, of course, because they had just more people in the mix. You just, by making it more of kind of a public auction and having it be just a, over a, a, a few day period, you really like let everyone get their ducks in a row and really make their best offer once everyone knows he's available as opposed to sort of like, okay, we're putting the finishing touches on a three-team deal you want in yeah um now the other thing you could say that they could have had more time to make this a four team deal if they had gotten it completed sooner so that you didn't have the deadline of training camp coming and wanting the physicals done and everything because right they it could have leaked out that the deal was done as a three-way deal and portland just tells milwaukee hey don't do the trade call yet give us 72 hours we're going to find another trade for drew and we'll have it done so that you can still have dame at media day or whatever yeah. but they ran out of time to, to do that yeah well it was i mean clearly the start of camp was a deadline for portland as well as i i will pat myself on the back for predicting that there was just it was very unlikely that they were going to bring dame into camp again just because of like the scoot henderson aspect like once once they got scoot henderson the writing was on the wall dame kind of did them a favor with the trade request because it was so obvious that it needed to happen anyway yeah yeah phoenix so 
if you're the Suns, you had to come at this from the perspective of what is Aiton going to do with us and not from the perspective of what is Aiton going to do with his next team, where he there's a decent chance he'll be better than he was in Phoenix. But that's you just have to live with that because he wasn't going to be that guy in Phoenix. And so it's ironic that Nurkic is the guy who comes back because this was the choice Denver made, right? When they said, okay, we can't worry about what Nurkic is going to be on his next team. It's not working out here. We need to make it all about Jokic. Nurkic does do some things for Phoenix, if healthy, uh, which, I mean, I think that's an underrated thing here, that Nurkic gets dinged up a lot more than Aiton does. Splitting Aiton does have his issues, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Splitting Aiton's salary, I think, was really important. Just they were they were trade handcuffed by their by their roster and the salaries on it. They just had no matching salaries to do any future deals at all, basically. And now you split up Aiton into Nurkic at sixteen and Little at six and Grayson Allen at nine. Now you can do other stuff in season as weaknesses become apparent and needs, you know, make themselves evident. So I thought it was good for them from from that perspective. And again, uh, Nurkic, I think offensively, I like his fit because he's a better passer out of the short role than Aiton is. And so I do like that part if he can stay on the floor. Yeah, I, I think I'm probably lower on Nurkic than you. Uh, I think, and like I think the splitting up the salary is useful for sure. I mean, the other thing too is just saving money, right? Like Grace, like DeAndre after this year in particular, saving money. That's probably another under discussed aspect of this is that Grayson Allen comes off the books, and you know where they are salary wise. I mean, that 10 million is just a, a massive amount of savings. It seems unlikely yes. that they'd bring him back, and and also I do think that Nasir Little has the potential to really move into being a guy who's really going to help them maybe they could even you know, close some games centerless if he works out or you know key to up his own but those guys some of these guys that they brought in like a Bates Diop if he has a good year he's going to opt out they'll have no way to bring him back so this it gives you some insurance there and little at 24 like he's his shooting stroke is coming along a little bit he has a good body like he's a good kid so he's I think someone that may be an under-discussed piece here. Like, I, I didn't like this deal for Phoenix because I think it just makes them a worse team on the floor right now. But there are some ways that it could work out for them, for sure. Like, I could easily see us looking back in here being like, yeah, that actually was pretty smart. DeAndre Ayton was uh, still, you know, pretty unmotivated in Portland anyway, and he wouldn't have been motivated here either. Uh, but with respect to Nurkic, just the fact that he can't finish around the rim, I think is, like, kind of a big problem for these guys. <laughs> like, that's that's what bothers me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That that part could get interesting, especially you know you're leaning into year one of Point Booker, and we'll we'll see how that goes. But I, I just don't know how clean his looks are going to be to begin with. He's not playing with Chris Paul or Damian Lillard anymore. He's playing with good offensive players still, but there's there's a difference. Uh, and I do think also getting Allen, there is an aspect of his acquisition I want to talk to you about in a second, but getting him, especially with the news that Damian Lee has a, a knee issue and that, that he's going to be, uh, at least I think he's probably going to have surgery as a torn meniscus. We haven't gotten clarity on that yet. So now that makes a little bit more sense to me. But I wanted to ask you about the reporting of how the Phoenix – Portland aspect is done and Joe Cronin is saying to Phoenix yeah well you know uh we've got a shooting guard he's on an expiring contract he makes about 10 million uh you got to trust us on who it's gonna be 
I actually did a deal like this once, except it, it really didn't, it didn't. the The only trick to this one was it didn't matter who the player was. It was just the it, salary. It, it, this wasn't the uh, that, that the other the team blank cared about. Brooks. So, no, sorry, no, 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 Brooks no, 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 like, no, right? no, 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 it was not that. Sorry, sorry. No, it was when, um, when we did the Courtney Lee trade, uh, you know, I called, I called Miami. I said, I got, I have something cooking. I can save you guys some money if you give us some picks. Cause Miami was in the tax at the time and trying to get out. I can't tell you who the player is cause he's coming from a third team and it's kind of breaks the code or whatever, you know, to, to, trade somebody else's player <laughs> before you have them. But I said, you know, it's somebody who makes about this amount and is on an expiring deal. And is that something you'd be interested in? And they were like, well, we need, we need to know who the actual player is, but yes, we're definitely interested. So that, so I did do something like that. I had, I had a little more time at the finish line to, you know, tie the bow and say, yes, you know, you're getting Brian Roberts, Miami. Is that okay? Yes, that's okay. Um, but it, it was interesting when I saw that description because it, it immediately brought me back to that trade. Now, this one's interesting because Phoenix needs this guy to actually play. And so, yeah, just tell him, oh, I, th- I think you'll like this guy. And you're, you're thinking to yourself, all right, like, what am I looking at here? Like, they, they thought they might be getting Victor Oladipo, which I thought was hilarious, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that also, that kind of shows me a little bit, too, that this was about saving money for next year. Yeah, good call. Good call. Because if they would have the been okay it was, with it being Oladipo. The fact that it was an expiring was the thing that mattered to them then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's like that's quite the like I guess they I mean, I think it's really just the biggest thing driving this in addition to the money is just that Phoenix is like, man, we're just so fucking done with Scott. Yes. That that and I think they looking out at 3 years of not being able to trade him. I think that's why they jumped on this. Uh, all right. Well, so I'll leave it up to you here. We got a little more training camp news. Oh, well, I guess we got to talk fucking hard. Yeah, exactly. Uh. <laughs> this what, what is really got? interesting. I mean, he supposedly he showed up and practiced like a real person today. So, I mean, is he, is he actually going to play now? I mean, I, I think that's like he kind of had to, right? The, uh, the the issue, the un- underlying issue, right, is that the market for him right now just doesn't exist. Well, recall the like I think he sort of like provided a distraction, you know, fired that bullet right at the start. Now I think you come back, look awesome in camp, look awesome in the preseason. Maybe that boosts your market a little bit, and then uh, you know maybe maybe just like remember in Houston too, he was awesome in the first game, and then he just started completely tanking again. Like so maybe <laughs> that's the playbook again. Um, I'd forgotten about that part. Yeah, because right, yeah. right right now he's operating with the the failed Kevin Durant 2020 playbook right yeah well and of course for those who don't know there's a if you fail to render services for 30 days of the season then philly can stop you from uh being a free agent at the end of the year which obviously is is what he wants. i mean that that draconian policy is in there to prevent holding out this is why you don't see as many holdouts in the nba the other being that contracts are are fully guaranteed uh, and there are just better, uh, better ways to, uh, or, or there just are, are better ways to prevent guys from holding out in the NBA than there are in football. So, 
Yeah, I'm just I, I'm still I'm not sure where it ends, but I'm I'm not until James Harden has played like ten awesome games for the Sixers. I'm not counting any chickens. If I'm, we still think he's capable of playing ten awesome games. Well, <laughs> that's that's the other part of it, right? But yeah, I mean, he's just he's not good enough. He doesn't have trade value. And when you see, I, I mean, it's fascinating, right? Of like how keen the market was for Drew Holiday and Damian Lillard compared to him. Yes. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hot off the press from Maybelline, New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. You know, Daryl has sort of been dancing around this, but, you know, Harden got this new representation. He's representing himself for a while, and he's kind of, you know, he sort of alluded to the idea that, like, his his camp doesn't really have a plan, and I think that's very much possible. And how would you evaluate, like, if James Harden's goal was to get paid, how would you evaluate the way he has handled this uh, since uh, June? Yeah, not great. I mean, I think... You know, if you're a good agent, you've canvassed the league and you know what is out there for your client. And you also know, hopefully, what is out there in sign and trade scenarios, too. And that that's the part to me was that obviously if he opted out, I don't think there was a cap room team that really made sense for him. But th- there weren't even sign and trades that I don't think made sense as, or that teams were chomping at the bit to do. And no, so that like the the Clippers were that team in theory, but that was I mean Philly didn't have to acquiesce. The Clippers would have had to have given something up there as well, and they also were over the apron and would have had to really really cut salary. They there was a thought that maybe they did that. That's why they didn't bring back Eric Gordon was because they you know, were hoping to get in a position to that to maybe do the sign trade or something. But I think where the failure is too is it's just like if you're going to opt in like that, you know, you do it Chris Paul style, you do it Chris. Dow- Porzingis style you do it with the trade you know that trade is there you know that it's yeah the trade's already done exactly yeah yeah Yeah. the opt-in and then demand a trade this is this is unprecedented right and just and the problem was like the problem is James Harden just didn't have enough value even before he pulled this like that's he just wasn't going to get the contract that he wanted and you know there was a your own Weitzman had a good article yesterday saying that James you know really takes stuff personally and like when you're not loyal to him there's no coming back from that and you know he had these comments about Daryl and what a liar he is and stuff and so you know the whole idea that the Sixers waited because of the the investigation last year they couldn't like let it be known what their offer was gonna be and that's that to me that's that's extremely convenient right (laughs) yeah that's complete bullshit you can have a phone conversation that nobody is ever going to know what the content of that is or you can have an in-person meeting and no one is going to know what is said in that meeting so like there's there's a way like 
I'll tell you what, Daryl Morey has successfully skirted league rules in terms of communication with James Harden in a much where the penalties for it when he was actually on Brooklyn and like there clearly was tampering <laughs> at that point. Like the what are you, ins- what are you insinuating, Nate? Like the penalties for that, if he were discovered, are much higher than what it would be like, oh yeah, you just talked to him a little bit early. You're oh you talked to your own, own player, player early. Like nobody yeah. gives a shit about that. Like that's uh even so, and yeah, they got investigated, but yeah, it was very convenient. They could have made an offer. Like it, I I can't say clearly, but my best guess is it was a negotiating tactic to, behind this idea that oh, we can't talk to you early, and just to sort of leave him with no market and, and get the best deal that they could, which I mean fine but they could have just presented the offer that they're willing to present right like i think they they've pushed back a lot on all this stuff but one thing they haven't pushed back on is the idea that you know they weren't really willing to offer. there's a report that they weren't really willing to offer more than i think like one year with the team option again so uh you know i don't know what their offer would have been but james wouldn't have liked it maybe they could have come to an agreement at that point but the problem for james opting in is just like he still would have been in a better position to opt out even with no market than i think he was opting into to this player option when you say better position you mean financially or financially huh so if he had opted out because you're saying what what would he have done then if he had opted out philly would have been forced to pay him you think because i i I mean i guess there's the possibility that philly would have been like okay here's 25 million for this year and we'll see you next year and nobody you know demar Derozan style nobody else can pay you more than uh more than the mid-level and we're not willing to do a signed trade yeah but it also goes back to the fact that no one else wanted no one else was willing to make a trade that philly would have ever accepted and it just i think he miscalculated it but he also just was not going to get the contract that he wanted and yeah what else can you do so i mean do you have a prediction for how this ends at this point i have no idea how this ends because i don't i I don't i again i struggle to find the team that is coming up with the deal that pushes philly to action at some point though if philly decides he's an expiring he's not coming back next year anyway we can't torpedo this season that's where it gets a little more interesting because they have to take something so then that that maybe opens up more possibilities where are there deals out there where the Sixers keep their cap room and still get a player back? Let me ask you this. Not maybe not a star player, but a player. So what's, what's enough. Let's say you get to the trade deadline and James Harden has uh, gotten uh, left outer hamstring tendonitis for (laughs) the entire season. You know, it's bullshit. You get to the trade deadline and they're offering you, you know, one pick that this year that's going to be, you know, number 25 overall and from the Clippers and they're giving you back expirings. That is such small of a return to me. Yeah. I would still hold on to him. I would still hold on to him and say, hey, like now, like you can't just sit out a whole year you're not going to get paid by anybody like the only way for you to rehab your value is playing with us in the playoffs like get back in the fold and let's do this like there unless it gets to like daryl was saying and it's tough because he only wants to take back expiring contracts too yeah unless it's something that they could trade something for to be better this year and of course the trade also has to be an expiring contract because of their cap space aspirations they don't they don't let's put it this way they don't have enough to get you know even two first round picks for harden and then trade for someone that that has uh, money that goes into next year that like that player won't be good enough for them to want to punt on their cap space aspiration. So it's like, 
you have to trade Harden, then you have to trade for someone else who's still good enough to matter for you this year, but also doesn't have a contract that goes through next year. It just it's just impossible. I don't I don't know what you do. Like I I honestly think like he may be on the team all year. I could easily what see they, a scenario. What, what they need to do is make a three team trade where the third team tells them we have an expiring contract for you. We can't tell you who the player is, but you're really <laughs> gonna like him. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, do do you disagree with me here? I, I mean, he wants out, obviously, but it just like it's a it's a it's a re- it's a real it's a real fascinating impasse because there is I can't see the, the Venn diagram of what what satisfies Harden and what satisfies the Sixers. Does, there's no intersection. And here's another thing I would say too. Daryl would never say this, and he has a great track record as the one team that like really went after the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference. Although I still think the whole idea of like, oh, nobody's trying to load up because the Warriors are too good thing was a little bit of an overrated storyline. But he certainly did. He almost beat them. But don't you have to say at this point, man, like the way Milwaukee and Boston loaded up this year, you know, he's been very defined in the presser, I guess. But like, aren't you almost now more interested in just putting more eggs and next summer and fewer in this year because of the way those teams loaded up uh i'm not sure about that uh because i would look at it and say i almost got boston a year ago i still have joel Embiid in his prime and i don't know how many of those years i'm getting that's that's probably even the bigger part uh so so shouldn't i shouldn't i still go for it if i think we can be number three and then maybe something lucky happens for us in the playoffs I, I, th- I think that probably doesn't change your mindset yet. Yeah, well, and obviously there's what is Joel willing to deal with this season. But I still think they're going to be like okay-ish. I, I think, and like to me, having Harden or anyone they could realistically trade for this year, it's like you're going to be the three seed and lose in the second round either way. Or, you know, I mean, we'll see Cleveland or New York. Or I was going to say, Cleveland, 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 regular season Cleveland is, is not to be scoffed at. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess you do. It's like if you're the three seed, it's like, all right, you're still the three seed. You made it to the second round. But yeah, I guess you could say like, hey, like they might be the six or seven seed. What if they're in the play-in? Then it's like five alarm fire for Joel possibly asking out this year. Whereas yes. I think maybe he's he's willing to be more patient. But I, I mean, I think it's five alarm fire for Joel asking out. Uh, I mean, you're basically, it's like, let's see what they get in free agency. And if they don't significantly improve the team, then then he's going to ask out regardless. Like, I don't, I don't think he asks out before next season unless it becomes clear that they're just not going to get anyone in free agency. I think if this free agency plan comes to fruition, then, you know, they're kind of good. It's really all these eggs in that basket at this point. Yeah, I think so. Because, yeah, summer of 24 would be Embiid two years away from free agency. It's a a good time to really put heat on, on your team. So... Yeah, I I think I think the pressure's on to somehow turn Harden and maybe Tobias Harris too into you know whatever that second star can be next to Embiid and presumably Maxi would be the third part of that triangle. Well, that's the other thing that is just maybe the biggest question about the Sixers this year is like how is Tyrese Maxi going to develop? Is he going to develop into like a real All Star this year? That's that's a very interesting question. I don't think it's possible as long as Harden is there. There's there's just not enough usage to go well, around well well that's that's very interesting john <laughs> uh all right i think we're nearing the end here for now but anything else in terms of news that's like really sticking out to you that you want to talk about we could hit like one or two more small topics what'd you think of devin vassell's extension yes that's that is what we need to talk about 
Well, uh, a certain podcast based uh, in a certain West Coast town predicted that Devin Vassell would sign a five-year, $137.5 million extension. So it did not surprise me in the slightest. Wow. That was that was spoken in fluent Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it was... It's. Slightly interesting part of this, there's $11 million in incentives, and I, th- I thought it was fair value for what Devin Vassell is. They did declining money to a point, but they increased the money on the last year, which I assume is to make it easier to extend him if he... Uh, you know, to, delivers on the on those five years, which I thought was s- somewhat interesting. But the salary dips to its lowest ebb during the first year of what would presumably be Victor Wembanyama's max extension. That makes sense. And also, like the cap may go up enough by that point. They tried to fix this in the 2017 CBA, but there may even be a little bit of wiggle room between Wembanyama's cap hold and the max at that point that they could use in that season if they wanted to get out into free agency. Um, no, now, no, there's, also- there's no way. There's no way. There, you, you can't, you can't not extend him. I mean, if he's, oh, yeah, if he's guess, anywhere near, near what we hope. Yeah, that's true. They kind of they kind of got the uh, and it wouldn't be enough of a difference the way it was quite. All right, yeah, that was dumb. Forget that. Um, thank you for uh, th- that was just like a l- little bit too spitbally on the cap stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I think a lot of people are like, oh, what has Devin Vassell proven? Like, I think it's worth noting that by the end of this contract, the twenty five percent max will probably be about fifty, and this is you know sixty percent of that. That's totally fine for what Devin Vassell will be, and particularly because. There, I mean, it'll be making half of the twenty-five percent back essentially by the end of yeah. this deal. Like that and fifth year really helps, I think, for them. We need to talk about the fifth year, which is the Kenneth Fareed rule, which is only in the new CBA now that you could do a non-max extension for five years, whereas previously you could only do for four. And this is five years with no options for San Antonio too. So pretty good amount of team control. The other interesting aspect of this that we haven't found out yet is whether there's an exhibit that gives him some protection on the knee because he did hurt his left knee uh, last year. Can you remember a single time that that has actually been used? Oh yeah, to get to move on from a player. Oh, you mean where the exhibit was actually used to to say, okay, your contract isn't guaranteed, you're cut. Yeah. Ooh. You're right. I've seen it written in contracts, but uh, to see it exercised, it's a draconian thing, right? Where you say you, you have to cut the guy. It's not like the salary just goes down or something when you write those exhibits in. It's well, all well, or but nothing. But it's not even – I don't think it's even that you cut the guy. It's that – I think it, like it's just his career has to be over. Like He can't even be like trying to come back at that point. No, 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 no. The, the way those exhibits are, are, are written, it's um, – uh, it's it's uh, it's it's protection for injury to the body part, but the the injury doesn't have to be career ending. The injury can just be you know it's it's injured and and I mean it has to be more than a sprained ankle, yes, but it it doesn't necessarily have to be career ending. Now that one is to 
remove the salary from the books even if the player didn't have protection and it's just a fully guaranteed deal. That's like the Chris Bosh scenario. That's something completely different. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's just like, can you say, all right, well, you know, you had surgery on this knee. We got uh, this exhibit here and uh, you missed one game due to left knee soreness. And so now we can cut you. Like it doesn't work that way, right? Like there's, there has to be some sort of an objective standard. That's why I'm thinking like it probably has to be like you're just not able to play anymore. And I mean, you, I think you would, you would have to probably have a doctor be like, yeah, like you, because of this injury, now you're not able to play or you're, or, or that you're just like missing a bunch of games or whatever. And the doctor says, yeah, it's because of, of this same yeah. injury yeah uh i mean that's just a really high bar to clear i mean if you look look at like someone like jonathan isaac right even when even when he's been like non-guaranteed he's still there and so yeah. that's and now you're talking about like oh you got to go through this whole thing to prove it was like this pre-existing injury i mean that's i think that that's basically more lip service to make your owner feel better that, it, it generally know. is it's it's a little bit more viable when you're dealing with broken bones yeah. right where you where it's I mean, Joel Embiid, they were never going to cut him, but it was written in there that, you know, if his foot breaks, you know, like that's that's a very clear thing. I think some of the stuff with knee cartilage or whatever gets a much more tricky. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, do you agree with me that like, I, I, I we didn't really know where this is going to end up. I, I think we're going to look at this by the end of like, this is a very good chance. This is like when you do an extension, you do an extension when it has a chance of working out with some upside for the team. I think that this does, but it's also just so much guaranteed money that you just, you got to take it if you're a Devin Vassell. Like, oh, life-changing money. Absolutely. Now, if let me ask you this. This is something that came up in that pod. If you're Devin Vassell, would you rather have 27.5? Five million or, or a little bit less than that for four years or five years Ooh, that's interesting i i probably would have gone four if i had the choice that was my w- what i went for as well and i felt like you had to really overwhelm me to get the five years yeah. um which it, you know i i almost felt like i settled for too little frankly um but yeah there are the health concerns as you noted for him with the knee injury last year jane mcdaniel's more or less than Devin Vassell. that's a good one I'm going to say a little less. Minnesota certainly has a lot more reason to negotiate hard, given their books. <laughs> right? I I also think there are, there, are, there are maybe more fit issues with a guy like him at the offensive end than, mm-hmm. than there are with, with Vassell, where it's such a clean thing that he's a 3 and D shooting guard. Yeah, but McDaniels is, plays a, a bigger position, and you know I think he's got more upside than Vassell potentially. I'm going to predict that McDaniels doesn't get done. I I think just because Minnesota's books are so fucked right now, Mm -hmm. they still do have the restricted free agency. Like they, they can still hold on to him. Like they're just not in a position where, like with the Spurs, if they're, if they're bad on Devin Vassell doesn't work out, who cares? They still got uh, eighty million in cap space next year uh, that that he's cutting into right, and like, and then the it declines for Minnesota. Like if you make this big bet on Jaden McDaniels this year and he like gets injured or he's ineffective or they decide that you know they can't play him and Gobert and Towns together, it's just like I think one of Gobert and Towns is gonna be gone. I talked about that extensively with John Krasinski earlier in the week. Yeah, I don't. I that's gonna be my prediction: is McDaniel's doesn't get done. Yeah, that's Cause, interesting. Because I don't. Yeah, yeah, there's 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 a lot to unpack there with that Minnesota situation because it's it's so weird because they're gonna be good this year and then all the shit hits the fan, right? And it's gonna be really interesting to see how they try to navigate themselves out of that horrific trade because the impacts really don't 
hit them hard until after this season. Yeah, with with Edwards and his uh, max extension kicking in, and particularly, what if Anthony Edwards gets makes an All NBA team? Like that's another yeah you know, six million bucks in wiggle room that that they lose. Yeah, no, that was good. I'm glad you brought that one up. Uh, but yeah, all right, we got to get going here. But we'll be back to our weekly schedule. And uh, for those of you who are not subscribers to Dunked on Prime, I hope you will consider it because we are back to five days a week. All thirty team outlooks uh, with uh, a local expert are uh, coming. We got about two thirds of those done now. So hope you will check those out. Really interesting stuff with everyone uh, that we've talked to so far. We'll talk to you all again soon. Hot off the press from Maybelline, New York. It's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Coco Zing, and more. An extra large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.